please podcast now on video if you like this podcast kindly like share subscribe you know what to do so today we are going to be talking about working hardcore a few weeks ago uh, elon musk who's recently bought twitter uh, asked his engineers or, or or rather issued a dictate that they will have to work hardcore uh that whatever they were used to he fired a lot of employees twitter employees and whoever was left they have to work hardcore and in order to show how serious he was he was not only staying overnight in the san francisco office but apparently they had installed beds um for even plants beds and plants for engineers to sleep over in in the in the workspace uh so when when he did that um what uh the city of san francisco apparently did was they were contemplating i don't know if they went through with that prosecuting twitter for violating zoning laws apparently because they have converted an office space into a living space which is obviously nonsensical uh because there are other companies also that have uh places where like for instance google campus where you have like sleeping pods um now these things were like beds and it's so very obvious that you know while sleeping pods were messaged as you can relax while working in the day this was very obviously for night outs so at that point of time what i had tweeted and this is again from the city of san francisco where where basically people defecate on the streets and that's perfectly fine where stores in downtowns have shut down because the city refuses to prosecute petty crimes there suddenly the city of san francisco has discovered the that laws must be obeyed um and that's and again the whole thing is that millionaires and billionaires need to follow the laws normal people don't they that's that's the whole progressive way of looking at things but when this happened what what i had said on twitter was well i used to work in an university like many others as a research assistant i used to make 22000 a a year which is like below poverty wages and at that point of time me and i mean virtually every graduate student we worked nights and there were some really bad like second hand third hand couches which were there in the ta teaching assistant lounges that we used to sleep on and we used to fight to get to sleep on them so that we didn't have to go home we could do night outs because we didn't have cars it's a long cold walk back home so when we were doing it and again i'm not saying i was the only person doing it everybody was doing it why did no city step in and say well the university is providing a sleeping facilities they're they're disobeying zoning laws I mean, nobody cares right this is this is entirely what you know when we don't like somebody like elon musk we will bring the force full force of the law to you know bear down on him but again this 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 podcast isn't so much about elon musk and we can we can have multiple podcasts on him there's so much to talk about but see the point that i was trying to make wasn't that and 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 then i was attacked on twitter by saying you oh, look at this guy you know he had it bad 
he was exploited by the university. Now he wants other people to be exploited. No, I never said that the university exploited me. I never said that. My point was that the cities didn't step in because people and, you know, TAs and teaching assistants and research assistants were sleeping in the university. Nobody felt that was a violation of zoning laws. That was my point. The fact that, quote unquote, progressive cities choose to uh, enforce their laws based on uh, the person or the entity that is disobeying the laws. That was my point. But let's let's look at this from a Musk's, Elon Musk's point of view. Let's try to understand this whole working hardcore and whether it is exploitation. And I my the TLDR is I don't think it is exploitation. Let me explain why it's not exploitation and where it becomes exploitation. So from Musk's point of view, and he is the owner of the company, unlike a manager who in a public company, you can say both of both the manager and you are employees of the company. The manager doesn't quote unquote own. Uh, they're not really paying you from their pocket. They're just being stewards of the company's revenue. So that's the thing. But with Elon Musk, he basically owns the place. It's his money. He's signing your checks. So what he wants is he wants more return on his investment. That's a very natural thing in any capitalist society to want that return on investment. So there is nothing inherently immoral about him wanting to squeeze more out of his employees. And trust me, all companies do that. It's that he, he says it out loud. So what he's trying to say, and he's been trying to say it for a long time, is that the employees in Twitter are pampered. They're not productive. And he wants, and that's why he fired a lot of them who he believed were irredeemable. And then the rest that remain, he's saying, well, you either commit to working hardcore or you can leave. So again, from his point of view, he wants to squeeze the lemon, just like you know all of us do. We, when we you know, buy anything, we want the best. Uh, I mean, we, we, we want return on investment. So there's nothing wrong in it per se. This is the immoral in wanting. But let's, let's dig a little deeper. So you can say that, you know, Elon Musk is being a petulant man child. And some of his pronouncements are like that. But honestly, the, the even more mature people like Sundar Pichai and Mark Zuckerberg have all said this about their respective companies, that they want their workers to be more productive. And they feel that they're not productive at all. I mean, their productivity is decreased. They're not saying that they're not productive, but they feel that they can do much more. So they haven't used the word hardcore, but both of them are basically making their employees. Google is going to be firing a lot of their employees. Amazon has gotten rid of a lot of their employees. So they are doing essentially the same thing as Elon Musk is doing, but Elon Musk does it in a, in a more, you know, more Rocky Savant way, I would say. And that's 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 his that's his personality, I would say. And then he does it, and he gets into the news, and he and he loves that attention. So, but what he's saying is not fundamentally different from many from what many other captains of the industry are also saying that they expect their employees, and these are very highly paid employees. I mean, Google employees, Facebook employees. I still like to use the term Facebook. I still can't reconcile using the word Meta. They make like two and a half times, three times what people at their experience level make in other companies. So once you're making twice or three times the salary of your contemporaries, and obviously you deserve it, you, you're, you're a smart person, you come with impeccable credentials, but it is not it is not exploitation to expect that your bosses will try to squeeze you for more. 
given you know when when the economic situation deteriorates as it has done right now so there is nothing inherently immoral about wanting to do so now even if you can say well elon musk is a man child you know sundar pichai zuckerberg these are billionaires according to uh, bernie sanders billionaires shouldn't exist so they are by the very nature of them being billionaires they're immoral let's talk about somebody who's not a billionaire it's a guy called john carmack uh, for those of you who don't know who he is he is uh, he's kind of an icon or a god of computer programming especially in game development so he made essentially handcrafted um one of the first 3d shooters doom and then he made quake which was again another uh you know revolutionary game for those ages so it was not just a feat of programming it was also a feat of optimization how to get the most out of the hardware that existed in those days so he's considered by many to be one of the greatest programmers and algorithmists alive today and you know system builder he's a very eccentric person also so john carmack was hired by facebook now meta to kind of uh, lead the development of the metaverse and oculus since that's really what zack believes the future of the world is so john carmack recently quit um and he kind of made a public pronouncement criticizing facebook/meta saying why he can't work there and what he said was no different essentially from what uh elon musk said he said that facebook has a lot of money but they're underutilizing their resources i think he compared to like using 5% of his cpu so he's basically saying that facebook operates at 5% of the efficiency that it should operate at which is terrible so this is john carmack right he's not somebody who is trying to squeeze the lemon because he personally gains from making people work harder you can say that's elon musk in a way that's sundar pichai too because he's a steward of their shareholders interests this guy is just a this is an employee he's a very highly paid employee i'm pretty sure but he's an employee and even as an employee because his motivation is to build systems and he's just impatient he wants to build stuff and he just sees that i can't do it in meta i just i mean there are a lot of rich there are a lot of very well paid people here but i can't utilize them so he's starting his own startup and you know he's going to do things his own way but the point that i'm trying to make is that this is not just elon musk saying this this is not a critique of silicon valley that's coming from one quote and quote petulant man child no this is across the board it's coming from more stable ceos and it's coming from like super genius individual contributors too so why is this happening why is everybody complaining about you know under utilization of resources about flab that's a topic for another day i discussed a little bit in a previous uh, podcast but we can talk about this another day but because i don't want to dilute the, the 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 kind of the train of thought here which again was is musk being evil now we live in a capitalist society right um so just like musk it's perfectly fine for musk to want to maximize the return on his investment it's we need to look at employees exactly from the same perspective it's in this day and age employees can't think of themselves as employees they need to think of themselves as owners of themselves that they themselves are a startup of size 1 that's the way i look like to look at myself also 
And it's taken me years to think of myself that way. We usually tend to think of it in terms of nokri, knocker, servant. The words there, we think. We are programmed to think of ourselves as working for someone. I'm a servant. That's fundamentally insulting for me and nobody should think of themselves like that in this day and age. So just like Musk is trying to maximize the return on his investment, it's also contingent on us to maximize as employees to maximize return on our investment. So what investment does a Twitter engineer make? First investment is time. That's the investment that they make. And for that investment, what do they get? They get money, quite a bit of it. And they get stocks, which is they are invested. Now, this Twitter is no longer a publicly traded company, but they gain some kind of stakes in the company. So they get some kind of profit. And they get something intangible, which is the worth of that experience in the next job. That's why people on LinkedIn write X Google. That's a brand. That's, main, that's one of the reasons why people stay in companies like Twitter and Google and, and Facebook or Netflix, because of it brings, it builds value for their next job. So that is the return on their investment. And this is why I never said that the $22,000 that I got paid every year, I, I was being exploited. No, I wasn't being exploited. I walked into it knowing fully well what my salary was going to be. I was working for something. Now, it's another thing that PhD, I believe, is, and that's a separate topic, and I've talked about it, isn't great return on investment. So I was wrong in my investment. But at least at that point of time, I was laboring under the misapprehension that I was my my return on investment wasn't the 22K I was making per year, but it was the skills that I was acquiring by doing my PhD that would help me in the future. Now, even when I was doing my PhD, by the way, it was absolutely up to me. So people are much more powerful than they than people perceive themselves to be sometimes. And definitely how other people perceive them, them to be. And I'll, I'll explain. So when I went there, I did work nights, but I didn't work nights for the five years that I did my PhD. There were times when I, you know, I worked normally. But I had friends who worked nights for years on end. And that is because they made that choice. They chose an advisor, they chose a a PhD topic, which was like that. I chose a PhD topic in a very different field, which where I knew that I wouldn't be expected to work, you know, 80 hour weeks. You know that in grad school, you, you may not know it the moment you walk in. That's why you wait for a year or a, a three or three semesters before you choose an advisor. But you kind of know every advisor has a different cadence. Every thesis topic requires different levels of effort. And you choose one based on what kind of return on investment you're comfortable with. So I wasn't trying to maximize the monetary benefits. I, I at that point of time, had already realized that, hey, I like to write. I like to have some time to myself. I don't want to do computer science 80 hours a week. So I chose a PhD topic and I chose an advisor who kind of fit in with my way of life. And if, if you as a PhD student can't do that, and sometimes people can't do that, and that's a problem. So I, I was conscious. I would never say I was exploited at all because I think that 
you know, I, I made the right choice, kind of. I maybe shouldn't have done PhD. That's another thing. But I wasn't being exploited. And some people have, like, and that's the way life works. I mean, they make five times more money than I do. But they, you know, work their butt off for five, for five years. And some of them who work their butt off for five years don't make five times the salary as I do. But that's luck. And nobody knows, right? So for engineers who are in Twitter right now, it's, it's a similar kind of consideration. Why are they staying? It's not because they're, they're, they're chains on their, I mean, there might be golden chains. So they stay because here's the fact, they're not going to be making that money elsewhere if they're actually staying. So it's not that, and, and, and I mean, that's the reason why they're staying. It's not exploitation. It's, it's them using capitalism to their benefit. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's also not their becharas. That's also not true. So people stay because they won't make that money elsewhere. It's not that Twitter employees won't be employed. They will absolutely be employed. Uh, but they're staying because they believe that they are making more money at Twitter. And if they don't, we're not, then they, they can absolutely leave. There's nothing that's holding them back. Or they believe that they have prospects in Twitter that, you know, that they believe that if they stay on in Twitter, they're going to get something more. So it could be experience and technology stack, which they can then leverage in their next job. But there is something which is keeping them there. It's either the money or the prospect of future money, or they're happy with the technology that they're building, that intangible geek thing. Whatever it is, it is not immoral for Elon Musk to expect hardcore work. Just like it's not immoral for them to go and find another job. They don't have, they don't owe any loyalty to their employee, employer at all. That's, that's absolutely fine for them to say, you know what? I'm not going to work more than 40 hours. I'm going to go elsewhere because what happens in a place like Twitter, what happens in these places is that your salary is three times what you would get outside. So even if somebody goes and takes your hours from 40 hours to 80 hours, you're still per hour making more money in Twitter than you would make outside. That's the consideration that guides people often to stay in places like this. Now, in the in the in in, in some of the better run organizations, and I'll, I'll tell you a I'll tell you a personal story of a friend of mine who told me this story, is that. He said, and he's he's one of the smartest people I know. He's an amazing programmer himself. And he said that he works in one of these Fang or Mang companies. And uh, he said, I work with like my boss says like five people like me reporting to him. And he said, this guy is amazing. First of all, he knows the code each of us write sometimes better than we do. If any of us leaves, he can instantly come in and start working on our code instantly. He knows our code to that level, all five of us who report to him. But that's not all. After we go home, he starts writing code and he writes more code than five of us combined. And this five is, by the way, is an extremely high performing team. This guy is an extremely smart guy. So he said, of course, he never goes home. I, I don't know what his family life is, but that's it. And here's the thing. 
he works like mega mega hardcore but he says i work 40 hours a week sometimes 50 hours a week the company compensates me based on what i do the company compensates him based on what he does so that's fair enough and that's why people like that stay so people who choose to work hardcore are also compensated that way and again if twitter doesn't do that then twitter will just lose them in this market i mean no now you might say that the market is a little down because of recession but this is a one quarter two quarters it'll go away for the qualified person it's they can always walk out now you can say well h1b h1b and immigration visas are a small part of twitter problem it's not that elon musk is just sitting on h1bs and if h1b is a problem and it is green card retrogression is a problem when it comes to mobility of jobs that's what sometimes people have to stay well this is not elon musk's problem it's the government's problem neither the republicans nor the democrats have been serious about solving this problem they keep it that way so this again you can't blame elon musk for this neither can you can blame sundar pichai for this nor can you blame anybody for this except the government now if everybody in twitter all their hotshot engineers be, believe that hey i'm not going to work hardcore i'm going to work 40 hours a week and that's it they'll all quit right if there is nothing there in twitter other than that if there is no money if there is nothing that they're gaining they'll all quit twitter shuts down in a day So Elon Musk won't have a business and Elon Musk isn't dumb right so he won't do that he's run other successful businesses so he knows what the limit is so when he says he's expecting people to hardcore he's figured it out what level he can push them he re- he realizes there is a lot of underutilization in twitter and again as i said it's not just him it's people across the board who realize that there is underutilization in some of the biggest companies of the world some of the hottest companies of the world which pay the highest salaries to their technical talent which brings me to exploitation is there no exploitation there is there is a lot of exploitation exploitation happens when you know you hear stories of delivery drivers uh delivering goods for a major company being made to pee in cups because they have aggressive delivery targets if they don't make those delivery targets that's a problem for them so they have no time they have to pee in cups see that is exploitation so you the difference between the two should be obvious i shouldn't have to say the difference it's not that these guys make a lot of money and these guys make less money that's a small part of the problem the problem is that this workers this fixed rate worker only takes the risk only takes the exploitation but is never on the upside there is he he or she does not gain anything from this the only reason they're doing is to keep their jobs that's it because they don't have an option because of because of you know their privilege they were born into or the lack of it they this is what this is the best they can do that is exploitation because delivering this thing does not build value for the next job it is not something anybody would say we enjoy you know delivering parcels they do so because there are no other better jobs and they will never be compensated to the extent they will never be on the upside 
when you are a technical talent, you are on the upside. When the company does well, you do gain. You either gain in terms of increased valuation of your stock grants, you gain because of bigger cash bonuses, or you gain because your team increases, you're given more responsibilities, you advance from director to senior director to VP. So you gain. So yes, there is a reason. If you if you work hard, you gain. That's fair. But if you work hard, you just work hard, that's it. And you don't gain. Somebody else gains based on you. That is exploitation. So there is a difference. So again, the point is the presence of an option. The engineer in Twitter does have an option. The only reason when they feel they don't have an option is because they feel if they think that they're actually overvalued, which many are actually, that's where the stress comes from because many of them know that they're overvalued. That if they go out, they will absolutely get a job, but they won't still will not make them. They might get a 40 hour job. They might even get a 30 hour job, but they will still be making less amount of money per hour. And the musks of the world have figured that out, whether they say it out loud or not, they know that. That's why they know they can tighten the screws and still retain the talent. So this is where that is the point that I was trying to make. This is again comes back to the whole graduate school thing. I worked like a quote unquote dog first few years to pass my qualified exams because not of what I was getting then, but what I thought I would get later. And many people kept on working like that for five years, six years. They did a PhD in seven years. I graduated after five, but they did that. And I don't consider that exploitation because they did that in the hope of something better. Now, again, there are, what I'm saying is, of course, I'm, I'm oversimplifying things. There are power differentials when you're a student. Um, those are definitely, and there is exploitation in graduate school, absolutely. But the fact that you are made to work hard for 22K isn't the exploitation. There are other exploitation, absolutely. And because the, the because, because the problem is often is that there is a huge amount of asymmetry in the power between a professor and a student, much more than there is between a manager and an employee in any company. Because most companies have very strong HRs in, in universities that doesn't exist. So and you, when you start your PhD, you're, you're so kind of wedded to a topic that you can't even, if you, you can, you have the option of changing after two or three years, but you've lost two or three years of your life. So there are many other things which make academic life much more complex. So I don't want to take this analogy too far because I'm pretty sure there'll be people in the comments mentioning that. So, but the point I'm trying to make is it is not exploitation when you are invested in the upside. It is exploitation, in my opinion, when you're not, when you don't get anything on the upside and only get the down. That's exploitation. Uh, so uh, thanks everybody for listening and uh, I'll be back next week. Till then, stay well. Bye-bye.